Lord, we're counting on that. We're counting on the fact that you never let us go. That you pull us in and you redirect us. We thank you for your word that is about to be preached. For God, we've been lied to all week this week. We've been told that that what we need is an external thing, a created thing. We've been told that we can find and make our own happiness apart from you. We've been told that you don't exist. We've been told that, that we need not speak of you or be mindful of you. But now we have this moment, Lord God, having praised you for the God you are, being reminded that you pull us close. Now we ask, O oh Father, through the power of your Holy Spirit in your word, to let us see reality, to understand what is at stake, to show us what it is we are to do. We ask you to do this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I don't know what kind of week you've had. Um, if, it's, if it's a typical week in this world, you've probably had to make some big decisions and little decisions. You've probably had some good things happen and some bad things happen. And through it all, you, you've sought to understand your way. You've tried to figure out, okay, what am I supposed to do with this? I have had conversations this week when I, I knew some things, but I wondered, should I say this now? I know, I, I know what is true. I know what's going on. Is this the right time? Uh, there, were, there were situations when uh, there was an opportunity, should I call someone else in? You know, should we, you know, uh, someone ended up going to the hospital. They were wondering, should we go to the hospital? What in our family? But, you know, those kinds of situations, they come up all the time. It's like, what are we supposed to do? And, and here's what I want us to realize. All of us, every single day, we make, we make hundreds if not thousands of decisions. And all of these decisions are being made based on what we believe is best. What we believe it is uh, God wants for our lives, or what it is we believe is best for our life. And all of that comes from, hopefully, a vision. We're in this series right now where we're talking about mapping out our vision. And for some people, that idea is so ethereal, it's so out there, it doesn't have any practical, real meaning to it. But let me tell you, you really need, and I pray today, this helps you get a real sense of what it is you're supposed to do with your one and only life. See, if, if we're not careful, we're going we're gonna to end this day or this week or this month or this quarter or this year or this life and see a bunch of disconnected decisions that didn't really go anywhere with really any sense of passion. God calls us to live very passionate lives and to make very practical decisions that push us in the direction of that passion. But if we don't have a vision for it, if we don't see it, if we, if we don't get it, then we're just going to kind of go wherever, wherever we're led, however we feel, whatever is going on. God calls us to live intentionally. And I pray today as we look at His Word, we will get a sense of the vision and what God wants us to do. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me now to Matthew chapter 24. We've been working through this very challenging chapter of Scripture for the past few weeks. We'll finish it up next week. It's not a comfortable text. If, if you're looking for a feel-good message, you've come to the wrong place today, I'm afraid. Hopefully you'll be encouraged somewhat with truth but this chapter is one of those many pastors choose to punt on or skip because of, of what it says about reality and what's going on in our world. So any who dare, you know, pay attention this morning, but be ready for God to, to possibly poke you into a direction that would force you to pursue something challenging but very worth your one and only life. We're going to uh, read God's Word. Katie's going to come and read it. So Katie, come, let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. And she's going to read the section that we're going to study today, which is this, this, this 
picture, and I want you to picture Jesus is just kind of giving this long, kind of drawn-out explanation to their question in, in verse 3. Look down at verse 3 real quick. Remember the question the disciples were asking. So he's just given this long, kind of, you know, detailed description, and then there's a sense in which Jesus kind of, he takes a breath, and he pulls back, and he says, okay, so back to your question, and he kind of gives them what it's going to look like. So, Katie, if you would read for us verses 32 through 35. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The word of God. Thanks be to God. Well done, Katie. If you would, go ahead and have a seat. You know, I, I, I still, I'm amazed with the technology. I can remember the days if you wanted to go somewhere where you didn't know where you were going, you had to buy this thing. Young people, you won't believe this, but there used to be this day where we had to buy these things and they were on paper and they were called maps. How many of you guys remember ever having to drive, right? Okay, let's, let's, be, let's have a time of confession. How many of you have driven with your knee on the wheel, a map in front of you, and, and you were going pretty fast? How many of you have ever done that? Yeah, you haven't lived till you've done that, all right? So when I say maps, most young people think of an app. And that's good, and I'm all for that. I love that. I, I, love, I love this map app. It's just fascinating to me. I, I was, uh, what, we were watching the ball game. I don't know if y'all heard, we got this Little League baseball team that's up in, uh, has anybody heard about this? Those guys are going at it. Let's just, they're great. A couple of our boys are on that team. Pray for them. It's exciting. Six o'clock tonight. You can come here for the, the back to school bash and then back to the game. Okay, praying. But enough of that. But I was thinking, what if I wanted to go? I'm not saying I'm going, but what if I did? Where, how far of a drive is it to Williamsport, Pennsylvania from Bowling Green, Kentucky? Just in case they win, and just in case, I don't know where, we just get a group of people and we go. You know that, that app? It showed me exactly how long it would take. It actually gave me three options of routes. You could go through Pittsburgh. You could go around. You could go all these different options. But see, every single option was based on the ultimate destination that I would be trying to get to. You know what God wants us to do? He wants us to get an idea of how we want our life to end. How it is we want this thing to, to look like in its conclusion. And He wants us to make decisions all along the way to get us to that point. See, the Bible, what the Bible is, it's a map that, that allows us to know the decisions we need to be making in order to fulfill the vision that God has for our lives. We need to see the Bible as this. We need to see the vision God has for our lives, and we need to get on with it. I love the picture uh, that Jesus gives in Matthew 7. There are multiple places in, in God's Word where where we're reminded of reality and what the Bible can do. But what we see here is, is, is you know, where it is we want to go and how it is we have to, to, what we have to choose to get there. So look at this, Matthew chapter 7, beginning verse 13. It says, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. What is this saying? The Bible is telling us here of reality. And here's reality. We want to enter by the narrow gate. The narrow gate is Jesus Christ. He is the narrow way by which we go from the broad path into a new path. It's a narrow way, and it's a difficult way. It's not an easy way. There is an easier way. It's called the broad path. 
We, by nature, we, we don't have to change at all to be on the broad path. We're born on the broad way. We're born just to kind of go with whatever the world says is right and good, and, and, and we can just kind of meander through life. But here's what we need to know. Most people do that, but it's a way that leads to destruction. It will not only destroy your relationships and your soul today, but it's an eternal destruction of your soul and your relationships with yourself, with God, and other people. It leads to darkness. It's lived in darkness, but there's this narrow way. There's this narrow way that, that there, where there's this path. And it's a hard path. And here's why it's hard. To walk on the narrow way, it requires faith and love. Both things that are external to us. We have to have faith in something that is beyond us, and we have to have the love of God that transforms us. Without faith in Jesus Christ, we cannot walk the narrow way. Without being transformed by His love and living out of a love for Him, we will never choose obedience, because it is only by loving Jesus that we can live in obedience. You can live in legalism for a while, but it doesn't really last. No, no, no. To walk the narrow way... We have to have faith in Jesus. It begins by entering the gate, Jesus Christ himself, by grace through faith. And then we have to walk this narrow way in love, out of obedience, and by faith. Very few walk this way. Very few go in this direction. And, and those who choose to walk this way, you need to understand, there are those who are offended by your faith. They'll tolerate your love, but they're very offended by your faith because we have to understand what our faith is saying. Our faith is saying there is a narrow way that leads to life and everything else leads to destruction. And people don't want to hear that. What, what people want to hear is everybody's okay. Everything's going to be okay. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches a, a very different reality. And that different reality is this. There is a broad way that leads to destruction. There is a narrow way that leads to life. And that life is Jesus Christ. He is the means by which we come to enter that path. And it is by loving Him, receiving His love, and living by faith in Him that we go this way. Now, we think about this in terms of three circles. And most of the world will just kind of say, okay, yeah, that's nice for you. But when we start saying things like, no, 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 this is the truth. This is the way. Folks are not going to tolerate it. Now, we can all admit that the world is not as it should be. God's design was harmony. And we can all say, absolutely, the world is not as it should be. But why the world is in such a dark place, now that's where you'll begin to have differences of opinion. What the Bible teaches is, it's because of sin. Because we, as a human race, have turned against God. That has created brokenness. Now, what our world wants to say is, no, 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 no. The reason why there's brokenness is because people are bothered that there is such a thing as called sin. And what we need to do is quit calling things sin that are sin so that everyone can feel good about themselves no matter how bad they are. Now, doesn't that make about, about no sense at all? But this is what our world is teaching. Our world is saying, stop calling bad things bad. Let's call everything good. That way we can all be good. Here's the problem with that. It creates brokenness one way or the other. And so there's a brokenness in our world, a broken relationship with God, broken relationship within, broken relationships with others. That's why there's death. That's why there's pain. All of it is because of sin. But here's the good news. God didn't abandon us to ourselves. Instead, God became one of us 
to make us the righteousness of God. So if we will repent, that is, turn away from trusting in ourselves or any other created thing and believe that Jesus is God, that He died for our sins, that He has been raised, that He is alive, and has sent His Spirit to live in us, we can pursue and recover God's design. And in doing that, we're going to do something that's hard. We're going to have to go this narrow way, and it's a hard way. It's a difficult way, but it's a way to recover God's design. It's a way in which we find life. It's a way in which there, it's the only means by which you can truly have living, eternal hope. It's a narrow way. Very few find it. And those who do, we have a responsibility to live in light of it. Now again, there are going to be those who say, how dare you say you're the only way? How dare you? And here's what we need to say. Look, I'm not saying it. The Bible is saying it. I'm simply stating what the Bible clearly says. So when someone says, how dare you? If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and say, no, no, no. This is what we know is true. And if someone says, well, how can, how can a person live this way? only as in as much as they know the Word of God. The only help that we can give and the only hope we have is in the Word of God. When we have the hope and the help that comes by the Word of God, we're enabled to do some things. Some things that are very important that will allow us to fulfill the purpose that God has saved us for. Allows us to live out the vision that God has for our life. And so when we look at our text today, what we see is, is the Bible, the God's Word, enabling us to do the very things we need to choose to do in order to fulfill the purpose that God has given us life to begin with. So take note as we, as we think through this, I want to challenge you. Again, this is probably not going to be a real comfortable message. This is probably not going to be one that you send to your, you know, your Aunt Susie and say, oh, this one's funny. You're going to love this, okay? Just know this is, this is challenging. This is a reality. You know, this is a wake-up call. I'm not expecting a lot of thank you emails this week. I get it, all right? I'm not thanking myself. This has been a kicker for me this week, too. And so just be ready and understand that this, this is a challenging way when we're talking about the narrow way. Jesus said this is a difficult way, but it leads to life. So, so what is this way? What is God's Word? What does it enable us to do? Write it down. God's Word enables us to see the reality of the world. The reality is this. Judgment is coming. Jesus has just spent 30 verses talking about what's going to happen. The disciples asked him in verse 3, hey, when are you going to come? When is going to be the coming? And so he describes all these, these terrible things that are going to happen. Evil will intensify. People will be persecuted. God's people. I mean, God's eternal and final judgment will then be revealed. Jesus says, look, it, it, it's like when summer's coming. You know because you see the leaves. You know, we, we, we know here in South Central Kentucky, we come out of these winters. And by the way, they're once again forecasting a terrible winter. Whoever is praying for snow, stop. We've had enough for a decade. It's time to move on. If you like snow, go north. We'll pray for you, all right? We need to have a mild winter. I know that the bugs will come. Better bugs than snow. That's all I'm saying. The advertisement is done. So we understand... South Central Kentucky, we come out of winter into spring, and we know it's almost summer. Why? Because the leaves begin to bloom. We begin to sneeze all over each other, right? And it's a glorious time because the summer is coming. And what Jesus is saying is, guys, you'll know it's about time because you'll begin to see the fruits of all these things. 
And these are the things that we've been seeing. We, 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 see, we see death. We see persecution. We see pain. We see evil doing what, what we should expect it to do, knowing that its time is limited. Did we honestly think that, that the evil one doesn't know the Word of God? He knows the Word of God. He knows that his time is limited. If he knows that he's only got so much time, you think he's just going to sit back and relax while he's got a little bit of time? No. He's going to bring as much darkness as he possibly can. And what will happen to the light? What will happen to the children of light? Well, it won't be easy. It will be like walking a narrow way that is very difficult. And so Jesus says all these things are coming, and then you can anticipate the end. Now, what that, what's that going to be like? Well, it's going to be tough, God. It's going to be tough. Matthew 13, there's a lot of places where Jesus talks about this. But look what he said in Matthew 13. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad, so it will be the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous, throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You're not going to find this on a coffee mug, all right? This isn't going to be a, a morning devotion that, that someone tells you to make you feel good about your day. But this is the truth, guys. This is real. The judgment of Christ is coming. And, and what I pray is happening to you right now is that your heart is quickening and you're getting uncomfortable for one of two reasons. One, because you're concerned about your own salvation, and we all should be. We should all be wondering... Am I the righteousness of Christ? Have I repented of my sins? Do I truly believe that Jesus has paid the penalty? Have I been covered in His righteousness? When He sees me, will, will I be one who stands as an adopted child and heir to the kingdom? Or am I still an enemy of the King? The only way you can know is if you have repented of your sins and if you are pursuing and recovering God's design. Only God can know your heart, but there's only one way you and I can have assurance, and that's through loving Jesus and obeying Him. The first thing that should happen to us is we should be quickened with a sense of, of, my goodness, am I in good standing? The second thing that should happen that should create a discomfort in all of us is, well, what about my family? What about my friends? What about the people I'm about to pass through life with this week? Have they heard from your lips that you believe that Jesus Christ is the, is the one and only Savior, that you have chosen the narrow way? Have you invited them onto this narrow way? Every single person you know and love and care about. Listen, we need to wake up. We need to understand the seriousness of the situation. The Word of God, it, it, it calls us to see the reality of the world. And when we see it, there will be an urgency. So write it down. God's Word enables us to sense the urgency of the task. Look at verse 34. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. We are living in the last time. We are living in the last generation. Let's remember where we are in the story. There was a creation, then there was a fall, then there was a rescue. There have been different generations or times during this rescue. There was the pre-Noah, uh, the flood stage. There is the, the, the post-flood uh, stage when there were the patriarchs. There was the time of, of the Egyptian bondage. There was the time of the, of, the, of the rescue of coming out into the promised land. There was the time of the, pro the judges. There was the time of
time of the kings. There was the time of exile into Babylon. There's the post-exilic period. There was the time of the intertestament periods. And please understand, in all of those generations, in all of those times, God was at work in the world, calling a people to himself to bring salvation. When the New Testament dawned, when Jesus Christ came, he came bringing the, the promise kept of the, of, the, of the Old Testament promise that was made. He died for sins. He's been raised. He sent the Holy Spirit. And so with the coming of the Spirit is the dawn of the church age. This is the generation we are in now where the Holy Spirit is at work drawing people based on the fact that Jesus Christ has come, that he has been raised. After this comes the restoration. After this comes an accounting. Friends, hear me. Right now, right now is the, is the last time any of us are ever going to be able to fight the good fight of faith. After the, restora- after the restoration, there's no more fight. There's no more faith. Our faith will become sight. There will be no more opportunities to talk to lost people, those who are on the, the broad way that leads to destruction. The opportunity is right now. We have this privilege right now. Now, it's, it's vital that we sense this urgency, but it's also important that we don't freak out. It's important that, that we don't get anxious or panic. It's important that we don't get desperate and check out and, 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 and start doing uh, irresponsible things. It doesn't mean that we need to get paranoid and, and start seeing everything as a sign of God. No, no, no. We, we've got to live in the real world in a real way. We've got to do that so that we can... We can connect with and care for people who are on the broad way, not so that we can live as they live, but so that they can see the gospel at work in us, so that they can leave the broad way that leads to destruction and enter the narrow way through Jesus Christ, the way that is hard but leads to life. Now, to do this, friends, we've got to get serious. We've got to get serious about telling people about Jesus. We've got to get serious about investing financially in the work of Jesus. We've we got to get serious about loving and obeying Jesus. We've got to get serious about preparing for the judgment of Jesus. Are you serious about those things? Look, I know there's advertisers. I know that there's other things that are constantly drawing our attention and lulling us into a, a quiet slumber so that we won't get serious about the reality of the world, so that we won't get urgent about these things. But friends, we've got to wake up. We've got to get some urgency about us. Uh, it seems like every year on Labor Day and Memorial Day, the, the same thing happens to me on that Tuesday. I don't know about you, but all my days feel different. Monday feels different than Tuesday. Tuesday feels different than Wednesday. Saturday feels ultimately different than everything else. How many of you have days that feel differently? Come and show of hands. Wake up your neighbor if they're asleep. Thanks. Well, my Saturdays feel really different. It's like a calm before the storm. I'm relaxing, but I know there's a couple of thousand people that are going to be listening to what I have to say about God's Word. That's a little pressure. I, I feel it. I, I've, I've stopped feeling like I need to throw up, but I still feel the pressure, right? Well, on Memorial Day and Labor Day, they always feel like a Saturday. So this, this year in particular, it got really interesting. I woke up on Tuesday thinking it was Sunday. And I woke up and I said the same thing I, I typically say is, good morning, Lord. Can't wait for this day with you. What day is today? Oh, it's Sunday. What am I preaching? Oh, no. I didn't have a sermon prepared. It was Tuesday, so no one was expecting one, but it felt like 
I was supposed to be preparing a sermon. It took me about 15 or 20 minutes to come to the realization it was only Tuesday, that I was still going to be going into the work, but there wouldn't be 2,000 people waiting for me to say something from the Word of God that I prepared and that I was actually paid to do. Now, I was going to be sharing Jesus with someone that day, and you know what it dawned on me? I should be waking up every day with the same the same sense of urgency and intensity, whether I'm preaching to 2,000 or whether I'm preaching to two. And it dawned on me that all of us need to have the same focus on Jesus and His work in the world as we do on Tuesday, as we do on Sunday. Let me ask you, Tuesday of this week, you think, you think you'll be alive to the reality of the coming of Christ so much so that you'll share it with people who are on the Broadway? God intends us to. God intends us to. we got to wake up to this. Look what it says. Paul wrote this to the church at Rome, Romans chapter 13. We need to take this to heart. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand, so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Is that how you're waking up each day? Are you waking up thinking to yourself, you know what, today is the day of salvation, possibly for someone I know. Because here's what I want you to realize. There are people that, yes, they come and hear me speak, and yes, there are people who will set up and have appointments and I can share Jesus with them. But can I tell you, I want you to think about young people, those of you who will be in school tomorrow. I want you to realize, possibly the only person who will tell them about Jesus tomorrow is you. Those of you who will be at work tomorrow, those of you who will be at home and, and in your community, those of you who will be at a ball game tomorrow, those of you who are going to, to a place that will work out tomorrow, I want you to understand something. Those folks, many of them are on the Broadway. Have you told any of them about the narrow way that you're on? Have you told them how they can get on that narrow way? Have you explained the three circles to them? Is there a sense of urgency or has that become secondary, tertiary, or way back on your priority list of things to get done? Because after all, it's not really that important. Friends, we've got to wake up. We've got to let the Word of God allow us to see reality. And in allowing us to see reality, allow it to stir in us an urgency. And as we do that, and as we get to work realizing that Jesus is coming, we, we need to understand the, the, the centrality of Jesus himself. Write this down. Understand that God's Word enables us to stand on the certainty of Jesus. This is, this, what Jesus says here is, is you're probably so, some of you are so familiar with it, you don't think anything about it, but this is huge. Jesus says in verse 35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. I want you to think about what that means. Everything else is going to pass away. So for those of us who claim to be Christians, Christ followers, we need to understand that Jesus is not meant to be an accessory to our lives. He's not meant to be an add-on. Jesus is central to our existence. He is the engine by which we live. Think about what he said he was. John 14, 6. What did Jesus say about himself? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way, 
He is the only means for salvation. He is the truth. He is the only way in which we can understand reality. Everything else is going to deceive us and get us to fall into a slumber and to ignore the reality of darkness and pain. He is, the, he is the way, the truth, and He is the life. He's the only one that's going to give us eternal life and a living hope that lasts forever. Everything else will go away. Everything. I want you to think about this. Jesus said that He and His Word will remain. Everything else will pass away. That means your relationships, as you know them on this earth, will pass away. Jesus said that we will neither be given in marriage or be married in heaven. That means all of the relationships that we have in this world, all of them will be radically different at the return of Christ. All of your relationships will be radically different. Jesus said He's going to make all things new. That means that all that your current responsibilities on this earth will soon be different. They'll be gone. Moms, this is your one chance to be a mom and a wife. Dads, this is your one chance to be a parent and make a disciple out of your child, your children. Grandparents, same for you. Spouses, this is your one chance to be faithful to God and to one another and to keep your vows of marriage. Children, this is your one chance to be obedient to your parents, to be friends, all these relationships, all these responsibilities, all these things. This is your one shot. And when Christ comes, it will all be changed. These resources you have at your disposal right now, the resources of time and money, you will soon no longer have them. We will no longer have to live by faith. We will be living by sight. The streets will be made of gold, and all the redeemed will have been gathered in, and all those who are enemies of God will be removed. What will you hear at that moment? What do you want to hear? As we think about vision, as you think about your one and only life, what do you want to hear? I'm going to tell you what I want to hear. I want to stand before God at the end of my one and only life. And I want him to say, Pettis, well done, good and faithful servant. You weren't the sharpest one, and I didn't give you real good looks, but I made you loud, and boy, did you make some noise. You know what I don't want him to hear? I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear Pettis, You're in, but go sit in the back. What do you want to hear? As the Lord calls your name, I want you to understand something, some of you. Some of you are going to hear him say, depart from me, I never knew you. And then that's it. The angels will come, and you will be sentenced to eternal damnation, separated from God. Some of you are going to hear your name and just made it. Come on, go sit down. Wouldn't you love to hear your name, the Almighty say your name, and then to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, what would it take to hear that? It will take you and me living passionately, intensely, Awake to the reality of God on the narrow way. It will require us to stay focused, to make decisions in light of that vision, to, to walk with Christ, 
knowing that He's the only one that remains, to obey Him and love Him, and to let everyone that we can possibly let know that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, to do that, some of you need to accept Jesus Christ. To do that, some of you are going to have to make Jesus first instead of something else. You're going to have to say, Lord God, you are my vision. You are my vision, and I'm going to live for you. And this morning, as we think about that, I want to invite you to come and pray. Some of you to receive Christ, some of you to ask God to renew your passion and vision for this narrow way. And ask God to do a miracle through your life so that you can hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's stand and pray. Father God, everybody wants to be a champion, but not everybody's willing to do the work. By your grace and through the power of Jesus Christ, we can be those who receive the prize. That eternal reward that, that remains, that moth and rust that can't destroy and that thieves can't steal. It only happens in as much as we walk that narrow, difficult way by faith and in love with you. And as we share the hope that we have with others, the hope that we have and the help that we give through the Word of God. Lord God, you are our vision. Renew us in our commitment and passion for it. Hear the prayers of those who come to you today asking you to use their one and only life. Some right now need to come to be saved. Some need to come to be renewed in their calling to live for your glory. Lord, to hear those who need help in relationships and in sickness and in brokenness. Bring healing as it is according to your will and give them courage to ask by faith. But Lord, be our vision. May we live for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.